Good morning, and welcome to Coding with Christine Hall. Um, this is brought to you by Sterling Global Solutions. We're a, a full healthcare compliance consulting firm, and I'm Christine Hall. Today is National Meatball Day. It's also National Kidney Day. And that kind of plays in so very nicely. I'm joined with my good friend and colleague, Barbara Shaw, today, and we're going to be tackling the chapter in the ICD-10 guidelines that deals with blood and the endocrine system. And of course, with the endocrine system, you know that there is a, there's a lot of guidance that we have, but then there's a lot of um, not printed guidance that we have for the endocrine system. So I thought, who better than Barbara to come and have a chat with me about uh, ICD-10 guidelines, section one, subsection C, chapter four, chapter five, um, and uh, chapter three and chapter four. And um, what are your thoughts? How, how, how do you use ICD-10 every day, Barbara? Well, just like you, I use it every day. And chapter four is a, is a popular um, chapter to look at. And the beauty is that within the ICD-10 book is that we have the great guidance. So you start off and we do all those wonderful things like you tell us, read the guidelines three times. Mm -hmm. And um, and I reread them, you know, depending on what project I'm working on or something just isn't clear to me. And that's OK. It's perfectly OK. And so that's and and really, to be quite honest, that's that's my go to. And said I'm not aware. So I do. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of feedback just to let you know, Barbara, but um, we definitely heard what you had to say there. Uh, what I, I love about the endocrine system, and, and, and maybe you feel this way too, one of the things is that um, I kind of look at the endocrine system, primarily the pancreas. I find that the pancreas is kind of the crybaby of the body, to put it mildly. Like... If anything happens, if you um, start taking a medication, the pancreas sometimes might be like, oh, no, I'm not digging this medication. I'm, I'm not going to work properly. Or, you know, maybe you, you have another disease process and the pancreas again. Oh, my gosh, she's having a and even worse. Put another person inside of a woman and the pancreas is like, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. This is oh, I'm going to have a problem. Right. And so. I find that's, that this is one of the first areas when we do have a problem that the glucose starts to fluctuate a little because the pancreas is like, oh my gosh, things are not absolute homeostasis going on in my body. I'm not happy. Um, do you, do you, do you kind of get that impression when you talk about diabetes? Oh, definitely. And, you know, the bottom line is that the whole endocrine system is truly that messenger system, that network. So when something isn't clicking, something's too high, something's too low, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that sometimes, um, again, because I, the, my perception is that the pancreas is that, that uh, drama queen of the body, it has a tendency to rally its friends. And so when the pancreas isn't working, sometimes the thyroid 
says, well, maybe I should reevaluate myself. Am I putting out enough? Am I not putting out enough? Or our hormones, um, the, the ovaries and the testes, they also could be like, mm, I'm not so sure if, if the pancreas is having a problem, should I be having a problem? Um, and I find that the endocrine system, because it's that network like you're talking about, that oftentimes when the pancreas sends out that distress call that some of the other organs, you know, they also kind of, or vice versa, when any of the other organs, the thyroid or the testes or, you know, the adrenals or anybody else is having a problem that the pancreas is like, oh, I want to be involved in this, this little, you know, problem party we're having here too. And we could see glucose secondary to some of those other conditions that are related to other organs in the endocrine system. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 you know, another thing with all of this too, is as you read the chart documentation is pay attention to when these patients gain weight. It's not that we want to go to the bakery and have five pounds of peanut butter cookies instead of one for the week. Um, Wait a minute, that's not normal, Barbara? <laughs> Um, no, oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Sorry. Easter and Valentine's it is, but other than that, <laughs> but, but no. And, you know, a lot of times there's that misconception, you know, when you gain weight or if you're obese or what have you, I mean, it's other than, you know, if you have a poor diet or, or what have great little look, you know, start looking within the documentation. It's funny that you mentioned that. So uh, my husband has always been a big boy and he was always tired and he would come home from work and the standard routine was he would take a nap. So, you know, he's, he's this, you know, big tough guy. And I'm like, well, honey, I think you should go to the doctor. No, 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 I'm fine. You know, I just, I work hard. I'm a hardworking man. I'm like, of course you're a hardworking man, honey, but I think you should go to the doctor. So finally, he was like, look, I'll go just because I love you and I need some peace, woman. And they did some blood work on him. So the they did the thyroid, normal panels. You know, they do the CBC, the CMP, and they do the thyroid. And what I've learned is that the average TSH level should be either slightly below one or, you know, a little bit above one. But, you know, somewhere again in that under 10 category. His first TSH level, Barbara, was 150. Whoa. And the doctor said, why are you not in a coma? And he learned that his weight gain, his fatigue, his loss of hair. No, he's got great hair here, you know, but like he didn't have a lot of other hair. Um, but he noticed all of those things and he thought that was normal. He thought everybody felt that way after a hard day of work. And uh, when they got that straightened out, we realized that there were a few other things that the other organs in that endocrine system that were rallying along and they were like, hey, thyroid, you're not doing well. There must be a party. We want to go to that. So they were able to go in. His endocrinologist is an amazing man and he's completely got all the organs happy inside. And now my husband lost 40 pounds. Wow. Mm. And he feels great. He comes home after work and he cuts the grass and he's absolutely a different man. And, and I, I feel a lot of that has to do with the endocrine system, not only the, you know, what he had going on with him, but how they talk to the other organs and how it, it exacerbates that way. It does. 
It does. And, you know, and the other thing is there is a condition called Hashimoto's thyroiditis where patients can have hyper and hypo. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the crazy thing is, is I have that. And so you do too. You know, making sure you're, mm -hmm, we're twins. <laughs> But no, it's it's so interesting, you know, within the endocrine system, within the organs and how important your levels are. It's just it, it, it makes all the sense in the world. Once you start diving into it and understanding and you wonder what some of these diseases are and understanding cortisol levels and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Now the guidelines that we have. There's a lot of guidelines yes. on how to code diabetes, not a lot of guidelines for um, thyroid, not a lot of guidelines out there for some of the other organs out there. Uh, so I wanted to really talk about those guidelines that we have, and then some of the other type of, of guidelines that we might see as a result of diabetes like CKD. But first of all, um, I think it's important to note diabetes is such a horrible disease and, and it really causes all kinds of complications in the eyes and the kidneys and the circulatory and the nervous system and your skin. It's just wreaks havoc on all the organ systems. Um, and the other thing I wanted to share was the, the different types of diabetes. So it's important to know that type one diabetes, the pancreas doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's just hanging out. It, 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 it doesn't, it's not attention seeking because it doesn't work anymore. It's just not producing that insulin. Those patients require insulin. I'll never forget. I was in high school and I remember there was a student that started behaving very erratically and saying things and shouting and and it was impressive to me at that young age. And what we found out later was that that patient, that, that person, that student was actually a type one diabetic who had never been diagnosed and had found themselves now in ketoacidosis. I mean, we don't really always go around testing our children's blood. It's unless it's medically necessary. So this poor student that, that I went to school with and how impressed I was of, of, how it affected that student um, being type one and never knowing and not having that treated. So knowing that that's, you know, that, that they're not making any insulin there. Where type two, the pancreas is just tired and it's not producing enough. And there's things that we can do to encourage it. We can, you know, go out, diet and exercise to the bakery to buy those peanut butter. No, we're no. Barbara, not to the bakery. Okay. Um, diet and exercise. Um, we have some medications that can help the pancreas do its job. And then of course, those are patients that need that extra insulin there. Um, but I love that we've got that, that guideline, that very first guideline that says, what do you do when the doctor puts diabetes or just DM? Right. That guidance there. Right. Right. Because... Fortunately, the documentation a lot of the times is not complete. And so we're trying to tie it together and assign the correct diagnosis codes. 
And so it's great that within the guidelines that if the provider does not specify if it's type one or type two, that when it says diabetes, you assign type two. And we don't get a lot of wiggle room in the guidelines. And I, when I see guidelines like that, that empower me as a coder to make a decision here, uh, I have a default I don't need to go chase my doctor down for every diabetic patient. Imagine that you're in an you're in an endocrine office, and your doctor writes DM, and you have to go on every single. That would be crazy, right? Um, couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, another thing that over the last few years that we've received is in, is increased guidance on reporting those drugs that we use to help encourage the pancreas to do its job or to uh, supplement the pancreas there. And we've received some really important guidance there in that realm. Right. And actually, it's always interesting. And, and I love um, when I audit or review endocrinologist notes because they're great. They're usually great coders. They're very thorough and complete. Their assessment plan is perfect. We have that status plan of care. They link the medications, all the beautiful things that, you know, you know, it's supposed to be. But um, also, too, they will assign those Z codes, you know, if it's long term use of insulin or the injectables, the oral medications. And so sometimes when I'm educating a physician, whether it be primary care or different specialist, and I'm trying to tell them about those long term use codes, those Z codes to use them because as we all know, pretty soon one year we will have ICD-11 and then everything is going to come together. But the reporting that you can do with those Z codes are important, mm -hmm. um, especially with utilization reports. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I the was other thing that I think, the other, the other thing I was going to say that's really interesting is how, you know, unfortunately, within diabetes, that's the number of chronic disease for our for our children. And so within the population of like 30 million Americans having a form of diabetes, we have about a million of those patients being our pediatric patients. Mm -hmm. And a lot of patients are getting some of these glucose monitors and these blood, you know, all those little um accessories App. that mm -hmm. you can have to help them um, maintain, maintain that blood sugar. So, and within the guidelines, we also have the mechanical complications of those pumps when there's underdosing and overdosing issues. And then within the guidelines, it tells us how to sequence the codes too, which is full. When I teach, I tell my students that, Barbara, when the minute that you hear complication, insulin pump, go straight to the guideline. Those codes are sequenced exactly the way they should be reported there for you. And they let you know what that final code should be. Uh, there's no guessing. You can't mess it up. Um, this year, I was really happy to see that those non-insulin injectable medications received their own very own proprietary code. So congratulations, Trulicity Ozembic. You now are Z79.85. You have your own official code there to report. And, and I, you know, again, I think this guideline is really important about reporting those drugs because 
the pancreas not doesn't always respond the same way. Some people take metformin and they do very well on that medication. And that's the only medication that's needed. But when that's not enough and they're supplementing with insulin, when you tell us those Z codes, you're telling the story, you're painting the picture of the patient's diabetic journey. So we can easily see, you know, at one point they were diet and exercise, and then we moved to metformin, and then we moved to maybe adding a, a trulicity to it. Um, and now we're supplementing with insulin, you know, that's showing that progression of the disease. And, you know, for those providers, maybe even annual wellness or preventive medicine, start anticipating what the needs of the patient is going to be, or any of those other usual suspects that kind of pair up with diabetes there, those complications, eyes, kidneys, circulatory, nervous, skin, keeping an eye there on those different areas. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the reporting all of the medication interventions that are in being used to manage the diabetes. And at, at some point, you always look for that one record there, the patient they were on all of these medications and they managed to pull themselves back and to appease their inner pancreas. Right, right, exactly. So another and you know thing, another thing too, yeah, for those people. Oh, okay. Another thing yeah, is yeah. for those people that maybe work in the OBGYN, the obstetric specialty. Um, the guidelines for coding for um, patients who are currently pregnant that have a pre-existing a history of diabetes prior to being pregnant, it gives you that guidance too, as well as the guidance for gestational diabetes too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was going to tell you is that some of the other conditions that we have actually have those types of rules, some of the other chapters. So if you're pregnant, we have a rule for reporting diabetes under chapter 15. If you have um, chronic kidney disease, there's a rule that you've got to stage that chronic kidney disease. And these are all conditions that are often seen with diabetes. Uh, so there's a lot of that guidance there that exceeds beyond just the guidelines that you see in the tabular section or you see in other chapters. Um, we, we didn't get to talk very much about blood, but you know there is no chapter for blood in the guidelines. However, we do know that throughout all of the guidelines, we have guidelines about anemia. We have guidelines about you know other blood diseases, neoplasms, and things like that, and how they're affected, how we code those, how we sequence those, and so you have to remember that you can't focus on just one little section because sometimes those disease processes manifest themselves in other organ systems as well. And we could have guidelines there. Um, exactly. I like that we have exactly. And I agree about the manifestation of the you're breaking up just a little bit there, Barbara. I apologize. I That's okay. apologize. The wind is blowing in Virginia. I apologize. But anyway, no. but I was just going to say that 
the the beauty of the guidelines as far as for diabetes with manifestations, you know, look at them, you know, look at those areas. And then if you, you know, there's the other chapter that it goes to, if it's like diabetes with a skin condition, like for instance, mm -hmm. take the with guideline, and then you can go to those other chapters and expand further. You know, if you have like a skin ulcer or something like that, that's the beauty of the book. It is, it is. And I'm glad that you said that. I'm very glad that you said that because we, we also have guidance of uh, reporting the correct diabetes based on what may have caused that diabetes. Again, sometimes it's just the pancreas being that drama queen, but they might be acting out. And I say this, like I might, the pancreas might be acting out uh, like I'm a pancreas therapist, right? No, I'm not a pancreas therapist, but your pancreas might be acting out because of an underlying condition like Cushing's disease or um, a, a drug you're yes. taking, a steroid you're taking, and want to make sure that we use the specific code to represent that diabetes correctly. Uh, you know, again, pancreas gets a bad rap because of being that drama queen, but what if it really is because of another condition that's teasing it? You never seen the kids in the backseat of the Definitely. car, Barbara? You're touching me. No, I'm not touching <laughs> you. You're touching me. I feel like that pancreas is that child in the back seat of the car. He's going to touch me. He's thinking about touching me. Look, it's over there. It's, it's you know, steroids going to touch me or it's Cushing's disease going to touch me. Um, but we have a specific code to report that. So we really can report the behavior of the pancreas. Is it because of an underlying condition? Is it due to drugs? Is it due yes. to the pregnancy? What's it really due to? Is it due to the fact that we had to remove it and it's gone, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. That happens. Absolutely. And with and you know when you're looking at when you're looking at some of these diseases and disorders like Cushing syndrome and such, Google mm -hmm. it and find out more information about it. You know, look within the chart. Note times these patients get these tumors. You know, all kinds of things can happen. Absolutely. I do and it that. It gives every you that ideology. When the new ICD 10 guidelines come out, um, not just the guidelines, when the new codes come out. So, like this year, we had 1,176 new codes. Mm -hmm. A lot of these codes, I don't know. I'm not a clinician, first of all. And, you know, you, you kind of become an expert in the specialties that you've had experience with. So there were some other diseases that received codes this year, and I do that every year. I look up the meaning of the code. What is it? What's the disease process? What are the signs and symptoms? Because as a coder, that's very important to me. I don't want to accidentally code a sign or symptom that is directly related to that um, definitive diagnosis there. So when you, you say that, I think that's awesome. It's the same advice I give. If you don't know it, Google it. Knowledge is power. Right. I was, yeah, the past two days, the CMS maintenance and coordination meeting. So I had that list, you know, instead of listening to music in the background, I would listen to that. And of course, you know, diabetes came up. I was like, oh, Lord. When, when I got it down for the year, you know, we're going to shake it up in September and October. So, but no, it's, it's always good to have a headset. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I look forward to that. You know, we, we were talking earlier, we, we spend a lot of time really 
in love with the, our career and in love with what we're doing. And so listening to those types of podcasts or listening to those types of educations, it, it really is uh, thrilling, you know, to learn more about this industry that every day I learn something new. Pretty incredible. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I look at myself early on in my career to where I'm at now, I never would have expected that I would be working hard and still learning as much as I am. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's, um, it's one thing that I stress to everyone. Keep asking questions. When you stop asking questions, that's a problem. We're never going to know everything. So meeting together talking with Barbara and Betty and Natasha and Pam and, and, and Kelly and, you know, all of our friends. And we ask these questions of each other. Um, I, I was having an in-depth conversation last night with Kimberly Jolivet Williams. And she was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it from that perspective. We, you know, we were talking work and I said, that's, that's what this is all about. We keep sharing information. We keep talking, we keep, and, and, for me, and, and I'm, maybe for you too, Barbara, since I love this industry, it's it's like reading a good book. It's like watching a good movie. It's it, 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 being involved in a really interesting series that I, you know. I sometimes I think that the the compliance roundtable is better than Grey's Anatomy. Please don't tell Shonda Rhimes that, okay? <laughs> Just <saying. laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> no, but so, you know the the bottom line is especially when we've had so many changes. And I highly encourage those coders that do not have the new code book, get your code book. There's, there's been so many changes this year. Not that I'm encouraging people to spend money, but. If, if nothing else, Barbara, I always tell everyone once a year, read the guidelines and once a year, take an education that includes your coding updates. You, you can't continue to be successful if you don't know what the changes are. And, and beyond ICD-10 changes, even in CPT this year, if, if you pan through your CPT book, it's loaded with green lettering. Green lettering means new information, new guidance, and it's not just code related, but guidance related. And, you know, I think that those once a year pop-ins to, to check for updates is so incredibly necessary in every industry, especially things, things are changing. I, I was talking to my friend Kelly yesterday, and we were talking about how split shared visits are just changing from moment to moment to moment, it seems like. We're getting different guidance uh, over the last two years. And what do we do? Right? So important that we keep asking right. questions every day. I did want to ask you a question, Barbara. Who are your go-to people when you sure. are uh, coding for diabetes, the blood system, you know, all of those things? Where do you go when you need to go beyond the ICD-10 and ICD-10 guidelines? Um, well, of course, if I'm going to use authoritative stuff, well, um, I, I'll, I'm a coding clinic person and a CPT assistant person. So that's, and of course, Cherry Po Bernard book is there. But I do have like my my people in my circle, you know, village, 
Um, I have a great friend that I met at Duke University. We were there and she knows everything. She's a nurse and she's this. And so she's always friends. great. And then my manager who's a doctor. Yeah, then my manager who's a doctor. So she can explain all the clinical relevance. So I, you know, I have a great group of people that I can reach out to, but but resources that and you know, I, I encourage everyone to tap into what helps you. And of course, I like I create a spreadsheet for like all my ICD-10 codes. And so mm -hmm. I have the descriptions and then I link the clinical indicators and coding clinics to it. And I do that for CPT, too. So that just to help so me. Smart. So smart. And I like the way that you use links. Um uh, I use being that we have been in this industry so long, we used to print everything. The problem with print is change. Print mm -hmm. doesn't allow change. So having the links, uh, you know, with technology being what it is now, those links update themselves or they redirect themselves to updated information. So while for you, it might be the same link that you've had for a year and a half, the redirection is taking you to the most up-to-date information there because that's that's how technology works, right? So I love that you're using links as opposed to printing um, because that does make sure you're getting the most up-to-date information. Definitely. And you had mentioned a few other things. I don't know things. what I'm going to do without a book. I'm going to have a book. I'm just going to have a book. I'm just putting it out there. AMA, I'll be the one person that buys your book. And um, any other publishers out yeah. there for ICD-10, buying your book. Um, but you had mentioned Me earlier too. that the American Diabetes Association also has a lot of resources. Yeah, you can go on there. If there's great things, especially for those Americans who are diabetic or you have a family member that's a diabetic. I mean, they have recipes and good things. And I believe they're getting ready to start with the Tour de Cure, Tour de Cure, which is a outfit that they do to raise money for research for diabetes. And I used to participate. It's actually um, you ride your bike. So whether you are a cyclist or you ride BMX or whatever, and you can do it with your family. So that's something um, if you feel like you want to help the cause and you'll hear about a lot of that. So that's coming about. It's not in every um, area within the United States, but it's pretty prevalent. Wow. That's very interesting to know. I had no idea. I'm going to look into that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I worked in, I had an office near a rheumatologist. I had an office one time that was near a rheumatologist's office. So I learned about that, I guess, about 10 years ago or so. That's incredible. That's incredible. I'm going to look into that. That would be a lot of fun. I'm always looking for something, activity to do that I can do with my family. That would be a lot of fun. We have bicycles. So we're still that family that has a few bikes. Okay, I'm not going to lie. They're buried in the garage. I'm going to have to go dig them out. But we've got them. So this might be the perfect opportunity for us to do that. And, and anybody else out there, it might be the perfect opportunity for you to pull those bicycles out too. All right, Christine can do it. Come there on. <laughs> well, our time is up, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been amazing. 
It's always amazing to have you on the show and, and to have you with us today. And Lexi is running Barbara's contact information across the bottom. Please, please make sure you connect with Barbara on LinkedIn. Uh, she's got a lot of a wealth of information, a lot going on. Um, and if you need her, her email's also there so that you can reach out to her. And of course, you can always reach out to us and we can make that connection for you if you need to get in touch with Barbara. Um, any questions for today, make sure you reach out to us. And we'll see you again in two weeks, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.